the honor as well as the unfortunate honor. Is that how you would say it? It's not going to be the last time, but the last time this go around to have Pastor Scott come up and bring the word to us. Pastor Scott, would you like to be up here or down here? I did that backwards. I'm going to get this for you. Can we please give Pastor Scott a round of applause? Thank you. Good morning. I was just checking to make sure it still is morning. <laughs> wow. Um, I do want to get to, to sharing something in a moment, and uh, I'm not sure if we're going to be kind of sharing anything after the service as part of what's happening next. I've been, I think, purposefully left in the dark as a way of being a bit of a surprise for our family. So I'm going to try and maybe say some of that stuff to later. But one thing, uh, as we were uh, worshiping, I was, I was just thinking um, and praying about a lot of things. But in the middle of all the thoughts, um, I found myself, I, I believe God was putting uh, just a, a word to encourage Marley. And, uh, you know, it was a couple of years ago, sorry to put you on the spot. A couple of years ago, I was reading through the, the story where Jesus is talking the story about the 99, leaving the 99 to go and get the one. If you remember that story, there's, there's, one, there's one sheet that's out there and then there's 99 and, and Jesus says to leave the 99 and go and get the one. And I used to struggle with that because I used to think, what do you mean leave the 99? Like, Jesus, would you leave me? That doesn't seem to line up with your Bible. That doesn't seem to line up with everything else that Jesus said, I'll never leave you. And so I'm thinking, Lord, what, what's with that? Why would you leave the 99 to go and get the one? And he said, no. He said, you are always that one. When I went and got you, when I picked you up and I carried you back, for the rest of my life, I am that one. For the rest of my life, I am that one. You are that one. And Marley, I just felt like as we were worshiping, God wanted to encourage you with that, specifically you, this morning, to say you are always that one. Always. Always that one. And... Um, so hopefully, hopefully that encourages you and maybe some other people as well. All right, let's get into this. And uh, I just, it's so cool. I'm looking at a lot of faces, you know, people that have shared the journey with us for the last five years and uh, some people that, that for, you know, for numerous reasons, geographic reasons, work reasons or whatever, um, have found themselves, you know, in, in other places now, but have come to join us uh, for this service today. So I'd just like to thank thank you all for, uh, for coming and making this day extra special for us. Okay, let's go to our Bibles. That's probably a good place to go. In uh, John chapter 12, starting with verse 12. It says, the next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival, heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And they took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Just hit pause there. The name, the word Hosanna, that, that's a, a bit of a Bible word, but the, the translation of that word is roughly this, praise to the one who saves now. So when they're shouting out Hosanna, it's not just 
kind of shouting out a word for the sake of this, shouting out praise to the one who saves now. That's the context of what they're shouting out. And Jesus found a young donkey and, and sat on it as it is written, do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. And at first his disciples did not understand all of this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. It says only after Jesus was glorified, only after Jesus had gone to the cross, only after Jesus had risen from the dead, did the disciples understand what was going on then. And isn't that true of our life sometimes? It's like only after Jesus has finished doing what he has been doing in our life that we finally get it. Like in the midst of all the, the changes and in the midst of all the, the stuff that's going on and the disciples there coming through with Jesus, they didn't really understand what was going on. Like kind of like how we are sometimes in our own life. Like, God, what are, we, what are you doing? I don't understand. I don't get it. But sometimes it's only after Jesus has finished doing what he had come to do that we finally understand. So verse 17, now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival, and they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. I've called the message this morning, Can You See Jesus? And, uh, you know, the real context of the message this morning, the, the, maybe the purpose behind the message is, you know, with this amount of people in this room, there's a lot of things that are going on in people's lives. There's a lot of great things. There's a lot of sad things. There's a lot of difficult things. And there's a lot of, lot, just a lot of things. A lot of things that happen during the week. I don't know what kind of week you've had, but we've had a, a fairly busy week, hectic week. And, and you just you have those kinds of weeks of doing things and, and, and work-related things and, and all, the, all the stuff that goes on in life. And sometimes we have to come to a point of just kind of hitting pause on that and just come and say, can I, can I see Jesus? Can I see him? Now, when I say, can you see Jesus, I'm not asking the question necessarily, can you see Jesus in me? But I'm more asking, can you see Jesus working in your situation? Can you see him? Can you turn your eyes off the, the things of the world and just look, look at him, consider him, can, look, look upon his face? Can you just put the, the world stuff aside just for a moment? It's almost like this morning when we walked in through the doors, it's just like hitting pause on everything else. And Lord Jesus, this is just about you today. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this day. Thank you for, Lord, all that you have already been doing in this service. Lord, we thank you for your presence that's here. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to see you, maybe in a new way, maybe in a fresh way. Lord, we know by faith, where two or three are gathered, that you're here. And Lord, I pray this morning that accompanying that faith, Lord, would be an experience of your presence this morning. That uh, for whatever that means for each person here, Lord, I pray that you would speak to each one of us. Lord, mold us and shape us and uh, help us to see you 
even clearer than before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. The context here is fixing our eyes, focusing our eyes, like locking our eyes on Jesus. But I was also thinking about the other kind of fixing things, like the maintenance kind of fixing things. Because sometimes I think we can fix our eyes that way too. When we, when we can fix our eyes on Jesus, He can fix a lot of things in our eyes. But fixing our eyes, looking to Him, all the other things that go on in our life, all the, the challenges and, the, and the, just the, the burdens that we carry in life, Put those, to put those to the side and just look at him. And, and this morning, that's really the only agenda that, that I have to bring with this message is that we would see him this morning. Because I think if we can, then a lot of things change from that place. Now, we can talk about how-tos and, and three points for this and, and everything like that. And those are great, helpful messages. But sometimes it's good just to just to look at him. Just to take time, consider him, consider who he is. No agenda, no what am I going to get out of this. Just be calm and look, look to Jesus this morning. And so there's four different facets, if you like, that I want to look at this morning to Jesus. There's far more than four, but I'm just going to take time for four because I've only got two more hours here. That is a joke, I promise. But the first one is the supremacy of Christ. In Colossians 1 verse 15, it says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything He might have the supremacy. The supremacy of Christ. Jesus bows down to no one. Jesus is second to no one. In Philippians 2, starting with verse 6, Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Verse 9, therefore God exalted him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We, ne we never have to fear that God is not enough. We never have to fear or worry that Jesus is not strong enough. We never have to wonder if Jesus is able to meet 
all our needs. Jesus is not hindered. He is not intimidated by your situation. He is never overwhelmed by your circumstances. Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is the Word. And when the Word went forth, the earth was created. Galaxies were formed. Suns exploded into existence. Shining stars were born. Just at the power of His words. That's some power. And we wonder if God's going to be able to help us out in, a, in, in a, an area of our life when the, then the creator of all, when the one who can just speak, and there's a son. He just uses his words. And suns and galaxies come into existence just with his words. It's almost like, look, look, Dad, no hands, just my words. I almost said, look, Mom, but that's not theological at all. Look, Dad, no hands. Just, just, with his, just with his voice, just the fact that he is the word of God. His words are powerful. There is no one like him. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's, his word is the first word and his word is the final word. He is the author of my faith and he is the finisher of my faith. He cannot be refuted and he cannot be diluted. Christ is the supreme and we're fixing our eyes on him today. Let's Let's look upon him who's supreme, the supremacy of Christ. And I hope you can start to get a little bit of a, a glimpse of how big he is. That, he's, that he came and he walked the earth like a man. I don't know how tall he was, whether he was five foot something. I don't know. But if we're not careful, we can kind of imagine him the same way today. That he's just kind of like the, our, our human kind of size. And, but, he, but he's not. That there is no limits upon him. There, there is no challenges that he cannot overcome. There is nothing in your life right now that overwhelms him or intimidates him. He's not looking at your situation going, man, I don't know what to do about that. He is not confused. He is not hindered. He is Christ the supreme, the supremacy of Christ. Number two, the sacrifice of Christ. In Hebrews chapter 10, it says, Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me with burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. So the writer of Hebrews says next in verse 8, talking about Jesus. First, he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings, sin offerings, you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them. They, they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, being Jesus, here I am. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been holy, been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ, once for all. Now, we have the, the supremacy of Christ. And the supremacy of Christ is something we will never grasp this side of eternity. But, it's only, but it is only because of the sacrifice of Christ that we'll get to spend eternity with Him in heaven for eternity. His sacrifice was for our sin. His sacrifice was for my sin. His sacrifice was for your sin. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Jesus received the wages of, of our sin, which was death, once, one time, one sacrifice for all. For all your sin, for all of my sin as well. In Isaiah 53, there's a, a picture there that the prophet wrote. He never met Jesus. But here's what he wrote. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. And we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. And he was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. He did that for us. He did that for you. He did that for me. Through his sacrifice, we are saved from our sin. We are redeemed because of Christ. We are healed because of Christ. We are delivered because of Christ. We are set free because of Christ. In John chapter 8, verse 36, it says, So if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. So if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. So if that said, so if Scott sets you free, you're in trouble. Because there's no freedom to be found by anything that I can do. But it says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You know the two words for free? They're that first word in the second free. There's two, those two words that exist. They're actually different words in the Bible, in the original language. It's not the same the same word. The first one says, so if the Son sets you free, that first free means free from your bondage, free from the, the addictions, free from all the stuff that binds us up, free from all the, the sin and, and everything that comes along with that. that. So if the Son sets you free from that stuff, then it says you'll be free indeed. That second free means free then to go and live your life for Him unhindered. Free to go and live your life for Him without the constraints, without the limitations anymore. So if the Son sets you free from the sin, you will be free to live for Him. Indeed. It's almost like the indeed like an exclamation mark. You will be free indeed. Never doubt it. If the Son sets you free, and has He? Then you are what? You are free. Indeed. And the Son did that through his sacrifice, through the redemption, through him going to the cross. The sacrifice of Christ brought you that freedom. The sacrifice of Christ cost him everything. And his sacrifice means that you are saved and that you are free. No wonder they were singing Hosanna. 
Hosanna. Praise to the one who saves now. Number three, the sanctification of Christ. That's not a word we use a whole lot anymore. But let me just kind of break it down a little bit. The sanctification of Christ basically means this, that Christ has made you holy. Actually, there's two facets to this. Through our salvation, through, our, through what He did, through His sacrifice, He sanctified us. He made us holy so that we have right standing with God. But there's a second element to this word as well. It's not only the initial, hey, you've been sanctified, but also there's an ongoing work of sanctification. Because unless you're like Christ yet, you probably, like me, have some little ways to go on the journey. There, there is being sanctified, there's being made holy, and yet there's this process that we are all going through where we're being made to be more like Christ. So there's the initial sanctification, you're made holy, but then there's the ongoing sanctification in our life as well. If we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate, beholding as in a mirror the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Let me read that again. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate Beholding as in a mirror, the, the context there, contemplate or beholding as in a mirror, is to look, is to gaze upon, is to the Lord's glory. Though those of us who are doing that are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So in other words, it's saying this, as we look to Him, we're being transformed. And when I say we look to Him, I'm not just talking about a glance. I'm not just talking about coming along on a, on a Sunday morning and, and for a few minutes singing songs to Him and, and kind of just getting a little glimpse of Him. No, I'm talking about as we, as we fix our eyes, as we look to Him. And, and a couple of years ago, I, was, I, I think I heard someone say it or I read it, but someone was talking about, hey, if we're Christians, then we should be students of Christ. We should study who He is. We should look through those Gospels. We should read through those Gospels. And every time Jesus opens His mouth to say something, we should study what He said. We should study why He said it. We should study how He said it. Every decision that He made, we should look at that and say, wow, Jesus, why did you do that? And, and, and look to Him and, and, and emulate Him. When He would go off to the mountainside to pray, He'd, he'd distance Himself from life, from those, those who were closest to Him. He'd distance Himself just to go and have those moments of prayer. And I'm thinking, man, if, if I'm a follower of Jesus, then I should be acting like him. I should be studying his life and know, hey, if Jesus did that, it's probably a good idea that I do that too. And that I should, that I should be a student of him, that I should study his life. That's why I think when it says that though we, as we look to him, we are transformed. As we look to him in the word, as we as we consider Him, as we come to, to pray and as we spend time with Him and we look and we study in the Word and that as we're looking at Him, our, our lives, we, we start to see a transformation going on. Because when we start going about our life and we find ourselves in a situation at work and someone says something 
I guarantee you there'll be moments where you think, huh, I, gee, I know how Jesus would handle this situation. I mean, without trying to sound too presumptuous, but just through what we learn as we study in the Word, we can have a bit of a good idea. And, and, and we start to see, as we study Christ, we start to see that outworking in our life. And that's the sanctification process that's going on. As we study Him, as we look to Him, as we emulate Him, as we are students of Christ, that we then would look to Him. And as we do that, all those things, that we start to see our life be transformed into His image. Are you good? I wasn't really convinced. I don't want to pretend like I am. <laughs> I'm kidding. All right, so the first one was the supremacy of Christ, the sacrifice of Christ, the sanctification of Christ, and then finally this morning, and can I ask the worship team if you guys would come, come back up? And the fourth one is the sweetness of Christ. You know, out of this is probably the, the one point, the one, the one thought that actually triggered this whole message for me, and yet it was the hardest point for me to actually write. That's, that's the hardest one to explain and, and try to try to communicate. But there was, you know, there's something about Jesus that as we do read about his life, that people were drawn to him. People were drawn to Jesus. It didn't matter who you were. It didn't matter what your past was. It didn't matter what you'd done. It, it, it didn't really matter what condition that people's lives were in. People were drawn to him. Even those who were labeled as the worst sinners, they were drawn to Jesus. And you would think that if Jesus, as righteous as he was, and he was, and as holy as he was, and he was, you would think that if there was anybody there to, to say, well, you're not worthy to be around me, and you're not worthy to be around me, it would have been Jesus. But it was exactly the opposite, really. Jesus was just saying, come, come. There was a sweetness about Jesus. There was something about him that people were drawn to. He is welcoming and gracious, and he is patient and he's kind. He had, has time for people. He values people. He cares about people. He has compassion for people. And in Luke chapter 7, this is one of my favorite passages. It says, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man, Jesus, were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. You know what? Jesus knew exactly who this woman was. And yet he said to her, come. He said, come on, let's, let's take this time together. Jesus knew 
knew and knows exactly what kind of man I am. And despite all that, says, come, let's spend time together. He knows exactly what kind of person you are. And you're a great person. But I know that if, if uh, you were to stop and consider, like most of us do, we have kind of like a list of things we like ourselves, like about ourselves, and we may have a longer list of things we don't like about ourselves. And yet Jesus, knowing what both of those lists contain, still says, come, let's spend time together. And we, we put up these like, yeah, but Jesus, I'm not, I'm not quite there yet. I haven't got my life all sorted out yet. I'm not perfect enough yet. I, I still have some issues over here, and I still have some issues over here. And, man, you saw me driving down the road before. You know I've got patience issues. So, Lord Jesus, you know, let, let me just take some time, and then when I feel like I've got my life in a good place, then I'll come. And Jesus says, no, that's not how it works. He says, you can't bring who you are. Come as you are. Like that woman with the alabaster flask and that perfume. I'm not sure if you know the significance of that. But when you, when you study this section of the Bible, the woman who was before him was a prostitute. And what they would do, oftentimes, whatever money they would receive, they would go and buy perfume because later in life, they would be able to sell that perfume for money because later in life they would not have that same occupation. And uh, so it was, in, in a sense, a, a um, 401k in some sense. It really was. It was, it was a putting aside for, for the day would come when, when she would not be working anymore. And so she, she brings what her whole life represents. Her past is represented in that alabaster box. Her life, everything that, that her life amounted to was, was in that box. And she came and she didn't just pour out a little bit of it. She broke it. She broke it. And symbolically saying, who I used to be is not who I am now that I've come to Christ. The sweetness of Christ. He would draw those to Him. Can you see Him this morning? Can you see Jesus? I hope you don't see Him up like a, a guy up there in heaven with a big stick saying, man, wait till you step out of line and I'm going to smack you over the head. I hope you don't see Him that way. I think I used to when I was younger. And I probably needed it too. But He's not that way. He's saying, come. He is the supreme, the supremacy of Christ. That's who He is. There's the sacrifice of Christ where He, I don't know if you ever, ever thought about this, but He created us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then further down in the book of John chapter 1, it says, and the Word became flesh. Jesus was that Word that brought everything into existence. Jesus it was, the, it was the Word of Christ that brought everything here. It brought the creation. He's the Creator, and, and we are the creation, and yet the, the Creator would allow His creation to crucify Him. I don't know any other Creator that would make something knowing that whatever He made was going to eventually kill Him. But Jesus did that because of His great love for us. 
because it's, so there's the supremacy of Christ, the sacrifice of Christ, the sanctification of Christ as He works in us and transforms us. And then there's the sweetness of Christ. Amen. I was going to do two more things here. And uh, the first thing, can I just ask everyone to, just to, for the sake of privacy, bow your heads and, and close your eyes. I'm going to give people an opportunity this morning. That if you're here this morning and you'd say, Scott, I, I never knew that's who Jesus was. I never knew that He came because of His love for me. I, I never knew that, that He was a loving Christ. I never, I never knew that. I just thought He was some distant kind of God somewhere out there. He's personal. He knows exactly who you are. And He's saying, come, let's spend time together. I know He, he knows what you've done. He knows all the things that you've done that, that, that you're not proud of. And those things that have sinned in our lives, those, those moments that, we're, that we know we've done wrong. He knows all of that. But that's why He came. He came to die for our sins so that we could live forever with Him. And so if you're here this morning and you would say, Scott, today, I want to start that journey with Christ. Would you raise your hand? I want to pray a prayer right now. And it's going to ask the whole church to join me in this prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. Today I decide that I want to live with you. And I want to live for you. Lord, lead me. Lead my life. And walk so that I could walk with you and spend eternity with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And just to, just to finish, this is perhaps a little self-indulgent, but not really. But I want to have one last time playing with the worship team here. But there's a song, Hosanna, that I thought would be a, a nice good way because today this is I know this is our final day here and and uh, that's all good but that's that's not what this moment is about this moment right now is about can you see him can you see Jesus and uh, so let's stand to our feet
Hosanna, 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 bring up the high. Verse one, see a generation.
God, we thank you. Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning. Lord, I thank you that we can just turn our eyes, Lord, upon you. That we could fix our eyes on you this morning. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that we would just come and know you even more. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. Then the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light. Of his glory and grace. Let's just sing it one more time. And turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask Pastor Scott to, to pray a prayer real quick. Uh, over our church, but I, I'm so grateful that he turn, finished with that song. Sometimes we have to be reminded that it's about Jesus. It's not about us. It's not about one man or, or even a church. It's not about one building, but it's about Jesus. That he, he's so good to us and, and that he's not a religion. He's a reality. He didn't live lives, that he walks with us, that he's near us, that he requires and asks that we would speak to him because he's always listening, he's always wanting, always willing to walk, to heal, to encourage, to speak. Sometimes I, I think, how do people live without Jesus? And yet other times, sometimes I forget it's all about Jesus. How is that possible? And this morning finish with that song because I, you know, as it's going along, change is rough when things happen. You ask questions, right? And that's the way that it is and it becomes. But for you to finish with that, I thought it was so led by God, a reminder, right? That we're going to be okay because God's leading us and that his son is with us and, and, and we're lucky. We're lucky. I know we're not supposed to say that as Christians. We're not lucky. It's not luck. We are blessed, but we're lucky. We're lucky. Jesus called us and we answered. Jesus offers us life and we received it. We're so blessed. We should, we should live blessed. We should act blessed. Free indeed. Our deeds should match our freedom. Right? Amen. Pastor Scott, will you pray over the church and then, and then we're going to. Lord God, we thank you today. Lord, we, we stand here. Lord, as a part of your church that Christ is the head of. 
And Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you'd continue to, to lead us and guide us, to bless us, to strengthen us. Lord, we know that, that your work, Lord, on the earth is not complete. So, Lord, our hands are, are, are raised to say, Lord, we are, we are here to serve you. Lord, we are here to live for you, Lord, and for your glory. Lord, I pray, Lord, that whatever it is that we do, whatever realm of workplace or school or, or wherever it is, that we would live with a sense of calling and purpose, that we are your ambassadors in the world. So, Lord, I pray that you would bless, Lord, this house. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for there's so many stories that could be told about the journey of this church. Lord, so many. But yet, Lord, there are so many still in front as well. And Lord, we uh, just pray, Lord, that you would continue to lead us into all of those things. Lord, we thank you, we honor you, we praise you, and we worship you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. I'm going to, um, you guys could take a seat. I'm going to ask the Dawkins family to come up here. And uh, Ethan, will you take this pulpit out of the way? Um, oh, can, uh, Mike, are you trying to, no, I want you to stay right up here. Uh, yeah, well, some, someone go grab Joey, would you, from the kids' church? Um, so I'm going to have the, the Dawkins family come up here. And we, we've got a couple things. I, I mentioned the Bible. Um, I'm going to do you guys a big favor. <laughs> Please fill out the Bible today, you guys, and highlight your verse and write a note in there. But uh, Reagan and I are going to Australia in January to, to preach at their summer camp. We'll carry the Bible in our luggage. <laughs> so for those that aren't here today, I'll leave it back there for the next couple of weeks so that people can continue to write notes. And to, to uh, I'll just put it in the other bags that we're... Um, but please highlight your p favorite verse and then and write a note in there. And then um, I'm going to ask Vern and Carolyn and um, Christian and Ashley to come up. And we're going to do some something in a second, but I'm gonna, they're going to come up and pray over this family. You, you are one. You are one. <laughs> the two shall become one. Are oh, you going to make her do that? <laughs> I won't give the microphone to you, I promise. <laughs> Um, we have a, a plaque shaped like Arizona um, that I wanted to present to you guys, uh, to the Dawkins family, to commemorate your time of service. Your compassion and dedication to the cause of Christ will be felt here long after you are gone. You will be greatly missed from your in-church family and refuge family. Um, Uh, it can't be overstated the impact that this family has had on this church. Even the church that has only known you for 20 months, uh, you will not be forgotten. Your whole family uh, will not be forgotten. And uh, I'm going to ask, I know that uh, Christian, I, I, you guys want to say something first? You just wanted to be, okay. Would you, Vern, would you, like to, would you like to say something? And then Christian wants to pray. Okay. I met Pastor Scott when he was on exploratory tour looking as to where he would start a church. And uh, I met him through Pastor Messer. And uh, 
knew in my heart at that time that uh, this was a couple, a family, that we were supposed to uh, be involved with and support. And so from that very first meeting, that beginning, before there was a church, we were, uh, fell in love with you guys already. And uh, it's been a great journey. Um, we loved building a church with you. We loved when we joined um, the Refuge and the Way Ministries. And uh, we're going to miss you. Um, we have a, we also have a video, just a, no, 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 it's a, it's a, someone, uh, Pastor Jack and Carol sent a, a message. Nope. Yep. Scott and Sam, we want to join in today with the church in Phoenix saying how much we also appreciate you and what you've accomplished over these last five years. You've built something that's great. And you, you'll know that you'll always be a part of something that's gonna to continue to go and grow and serve the Lord. Thank you, we're proud of you, we love you. And to be honest, we can't wait to welcome you home here in Australia. God bless you guys. And from my heart, I just wanna say thank you. Thank you for going, thank you for being obedient, thank you for all of your life that you've sown, the years that you've given. I really believe that your labor is not in vain and that the Lord will give you fruit that remains. So, you know, until we see you in a few days time, here's all our love and all our best wishes as you pack up and head back to Oz. I know that you're leaving with lots of great memories and experiences and all the good things that God has deposited in you and all that you have deposited in others. God bless you, can't wait to see you. Love you guys. If we could, um, so uh, and if you would stretch your hands, we're gonna we're gonna pray for this. And Christian, you start. I'll finish if you that way. You start, and I'll I'll, I'll close in prayer. Well then, why don't we get people up here Absolutely. and get our hands on them and love on them if that'd be okay? Yeah. And stand up and just cover them and surround them and let them know that you know they're not alone in this. And whoever gets here first wins. <laughs> Well, let's pray. Dear Lord, what more raw way can we start this prayer with? This sucks. <laughs> this selfishly breaks my heart. But Lord, we come before you with grateful hearts, full of thanks, full of thanksgiving for the Dawkins family. Thank you for sending them to us. Thank you that they believe your last command is their first priority. And in doing so, sacrificing to come to America, helping us grow closer to you by doing life with us with kindness, compassion, patience, strength, and boldness, and just really genuinely loving on everyone they meet. But now as a church family, it is our turn to love on them. And we pray for a huge blessing in their life. We pray for a blessing for a mission accomplished and well done. 
We pray for this season that it would be a season of good rest, relaxation, and peace, a time for praise and celebration. We also pray for a blessing on them as they begin a new journey, not back to Australia, but onward to Australia, because we know your work is never done. Lord, watch over them as they travel back to their new home. We pray a blessing on the church and that the Dawkins are always in our thoughts and prayers in your mighty, mighty name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. All right, let's, um, I want to, we're going to do something here, but we do have to take, we're going we're gonna to take the special offering for them. So I know it's hard to get everybody. And I'm going to ask, if I could get a couple of, uh, if I get Chris Wedlick, or uh, can I get a couple of, of Uche? Okay, while we're, while we're going to do this, we're almost, we're almost done. Um, we're going to, we're going to, they'll bring the food in as soon as it gets here and we'll set up and then we can kind of hang out. They do have a flight to catch. Um, but the worship team, sorry, I've got a, I know, right? That was the real test of this stage. (laughs) If I could have the guys come forward and we're going to, we're going to go ahead and, and pass the offering. This offering is for them. There is no Everything is going to them. There, there's nothing's going to be taken out of it. It's to bless them, and uh, they have been a huge blessing to us. We are going to carry the torch that they brought with them. Spread, spread them out though. I'd put one here and one here, and then yeah. Okay. Um, I, I'm just going to do this. This is this is something we do. It's it's kind of our tradition at the refuge. And so we've got a couple of chairs here. We're going to be done in just a second. But if Scott and Sam, if you would sit in those two chairs over there, and then Jessica can sit here, and Matthew can sit here, and Josiah can sit here. In just a second, I'm going to pray for the offering. And after the offering bucket passes, this is what, this is what we call the honor chair. There are rules to the honor chair that once the people sitting in the honor chair are not allowed to speak. So when you come up to them, they can't tell you no. They can't tell you their story. They can't. They're just there to receive your honor and your. you can tell them how much they mean to you. And you can tell them your favorite memory. You, could, you can go up there and, and, and pray with them. You can do whatever you have to. I mean, you can't. Don't tell Pastor Scott, you know, how he could have done something. No, no, no. It, tell them your, your favorite sermon. It's, an, it's a time of honor, Okay. So we'll let, we're going to have them each sit here. And I don't know if Children's Church has been dismissed, because I know some of the kids are going to want to say something to, to Joey. But what we'll do is, is we're going to take the offering. Once the offering bucket is passed, we'll be dismissed, and, and we'll have the food coming. And we're just going to let you guys come up and take an opportunity to just fill them up. Fill them up. Overwhelm them with your encouragement. Overwhelm them with how much you love them. Overwhelm them. Allow them to go and get on this plane so filled with joy and gratefulness about what an impact they've had on our lives. Let, let them know, because this, this happens so quickly. I mean, like, this is so, so fast. So this is it. They can't speak. They can't tell you to stop talking. They can't tell you no. They can't. They can only sit there, Jessica. Oh, okay. 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 They can only sit there, and they can't do anything except receive. 
all right? Just receive your love. Even if it's just for a moment, if you're like, just come up and, and let them know because it's been, it's been an honor to pastor with you. And this church is not going to be the same. It's not the same because you guys have been a part of it. Every single one of you has made an impact on our lives, all right? My youngest was begging me to see if Joey could stay here. Ben just absolutely loves him. Um, and it, it's, it's their, the twins have made such an impact. Their fingerprint is on the refuge and always will be. And so we're very grateful and very honored. And so it's our turn to honor you guys, okay? So the honor chair, you cannot speak. You have to let it happen. You'd be surprised. I have to say that a hundred times because people want us. It'll start. People, you can't talk. Just receive. All right, Matthew? You can't even get up and leave. You got to just take it. If you ever wanted to say something good to Matthew, this is your chance because you'll never get another chance. I'm going to pray for this offering and then, and then we'll let you guys come up. Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, we thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you that you orchestrate our lives in such a way that you bless us, that you put people in our lives, you put opportunities in our lives, you put things in our lives that we need that are necessary but as well as glorious. And Father, this is a wonderful family that you put in our lives, that you brought them all the way across the world to put in our lives, that this period of time, Lord Jesus, is eternal time, Father God, that the impact that they've made during that time here, God, has had ramifications throughout eternity. And God, we thank you for them, and we pray, God, that you would continue to favor them, that this is a move forward, Father God, that even... Father, the children who don't know or what, or what to expect, God, will see their leadership and the role that they're to play in Australia and at home, Father God, in a way they never did before, that they would arrive there, Lord Jesus, ready and equipped, Father God, to be used to transform, Lord Jesus, that church. And we thank you that that city, Father God, will never be the same because this family's coming home to it, that that church is going to be radically changed. And we pray, God, that you would encourage each and every one of them it wouldn't just be a time of refreshing, but a time of growth, Father God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, and, and we are so grateful. We cannot say it enough. We thank you for the time that we've had. We pray your blessing be upon them and bless this offering, Father God, that it would multiply, Lord Jesus, that it would multiply, and that it would serve its purpose, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay. As soon as the offering buckets go by, then you are free. The people in the front row. People sit in the front, get first. You know, this is the way it works. As soon as it goes by, you can... <laughs> they can come on up and uh, and and go ahead and and start. We play a little bit of soft music would be great. We could play some soft music. She